everybody so today i'm going to be doing my april book wrap up which is super weird because i feel like yesterday was april 1st anybody else feel that way um it is already may or it will be when this podcast comes out i was debating if i was going to do this or not um because i think there's probably going to be a book that gets left off of this list that i will actually read in the month of april but I just like doing it consistently like the very first weekend of the month so I am just gonna do it and if there's a book that gets left off then I will do it next month which is what I had to do this month as well so three of the books from this month are from last month is anybody confused okay um so this month I read 19 books and like I said technically three of those are from last month um and I DNF'd seven books and those all kind of have a similar theme happening. If anybody remembers, I was going to try to read Gilmore Girls books. So we're going to get into all of that. Um, just a quick note, it's like pouring down rain. I have the dishwasher going and I have laundry going. We love a domesticated queen. And um, if you can hear anything in the background, that's what it is. Um, I... I'm not going to do the movie game anymore unless I have someone really good in mind and I'm pretty sure I didn't do it for a single one of these books so no worries there. It's just like I just don't know enough actors and actresses for this to be entertaining anymore so it was fun while it lasted but I'm over it. Um, Gilmore Girls. It didn't go that well. The problem is no matter how much I love list making which I love I'm a mood reader and I have to be in the mood and I just wasn't in the mood for most of these books. So almost all of the books that I DNF'd were books I was going to read for the Gilmore Girls like situation. And um, honestly, most of them, nothing was wrong. It was just, I wasn't invested and I just wanted to be reading something else. I had other things that were like catching my eye that I was more interested in. So I just didn't, I just, I couldn't be bothered is the problem. Um, so I'm going to go through all the books I DNF'd and then I'm going to go through the Gilmore Girls books and then I'll just go into the rest of the books I read this month, which I feel like were more interesting or I have more interesting takes on than the Gilmore Girls. It was, it was a good, it was a good effort, but I just don't feel like I won't be doing it again anytime soon. Okay, so the first book I did after was All-American Muslim Girl by Nadine Jolie Courtney. There was nothing really wrong with this, except it felt like slightly younger young adult, and it was like a little slow. It felt like a Muslim version of the book Something in Between by Melissa De La Cruz. Like, not embracing being Muslim to embracing it, and like in Something in Between, it was more about embracing being an immigrant. And then dating someone whose father is super conservative and then there's this big like issue in their relationship. That's basically the same premise as something in between. And I loved something in between. And I think probably part of it is because I can identify because I am Hispanic. But I still think that this book is probably great. I just, again, I wasn't in the mood and I felt like I was forcing myself to read it. Um, I think I probably really would have liked this when I was younger. It gives like a middle school to early high school vibe and it was like just not holding my attention. But I do think it probably was good. Um, and I learned things about Muslims, so that was cool. Um, the small amount of the book that I did read, I was like learning things, which I always love. 
Um, the second book is These Witches Don't Burn by Isabel Sterling. I thought the cover of this book looked fun and I needed like a palette cleanser. I think this has like a Mean Girls witch vibe. Um, so I thought that this was going to be just like about teen witches and I thought it would do the job. But I was super bored and it was like weird and coveny. I like witches in the like WandaVision sense or Wanda, Wanda Maximoff sense. Like I don't like... Um, like the, I like the powerful and like, they're able to do like witchy, magic-y, whatever they're able to, whatever. Um, I don't like witches in the like covens and Wiccan and all of that sense. If that makes any sense, sense, you know what I'm saying? Um, so I just was, I don't know. It was just not for me. Um, the next one is Amy and Isabel by Elizabeth Strout. And this is one of the books that I was going to read for Gilmore Girls because it's like a mother-daughter. Like, I think the mom had the daughter really young and whatever. I got like one chapter in and I knew it wasn't for me. I don't know what time period this was supposed to be. I feel like probably 21st century, but it reads like the 1920s. So if you like like purple prose, like you would probably like this because it was so fucking wordy. But I don't know. I think like the mother and daughter's relationship was probably similar to Lorelai and Rory's, like at least as far as like the age gap goes. Um, but it might actually be more similar to Ginny and Georgia, I think. I don't know. Um, I skimmed ahead and there's like this like messed up thing that happens, but a lot of people seem like they loved it. Like I looked on Goodreads. Um, I think there's like this big empowering moment or something that happens. So I feel like if that's up your alley then you would probably like it I'm sure it's probably not a bad book and if I was like forced to read it I'm sure I would probably like it but um I just you know not for me the next book is The Art of Crash Landing by Melissa DiCarlo I wanted to like this and I think I probably would have if I had no other books that I wanted to read but it was just too slow for me the main character had big Lorelai energy like she was so funny and so witty I absolutely loved her. Um, she's like 30 and pregnant and she's not doing great. She has like $20 to her name and her car is falling apart. And she goes to live in this town that her mom grew up in. Her mom died and then her grandma has just died and she's supposed to inherit her grandma's house. And so it's like basically her going and living in this like small town. And I think she like discovers something about her mom or something. I don't really know. Um, I think I could see myself trying to read this again in the future or if it came up like on an audiobook I would probably scoop it up in a heartbeat there were so many funny parts and I just had Lorelai stuck in my head or maybe a mixture between Lorelai and her character in parenthood I forget what her name is um but she kind of has like those kind of vibes just Lauren Graham vibes basically um there were so many parts that were just hilarious there's this one part where she like goes to this like office to claim her grandmother's like whatever she left her and the secretary offers her iced tea and she's like no thank you and she's like but it's pomegranate and she's like well sure if it's pomegranate and I was like Lorelai Gilmore and then there's a part where the office like the guy is like we've been trying to reach you for weeks we must have the wrong phone number and she was like no it's the right one and it was just like there's just so many funny moments in this book like I feel like if someone has more patience than me, it's probably a really good book. Um, so I think I might try to circle back to this at some point in time. 
but for now it was just like smidge too slow for me and I was just like not feeling it the next book I read is The Hunting Party by Lucy Foley or the next book I even DNF'd um I think there are some people that are gonna start being auto no's for me like books that I automatically am not gonna read and I think Lucy Foley is probably one of them. I didn't like The Guest List by her. I DNF'd that book. That's where there's like a wedding on a secluded island or beach place. And um, I desperately hated that book. But I figured I would give this a go anyway because it keeps popping up everywhere. So I was like, oh, sure, like whatever. It's so similar to An Unwanted Guest by Sherry Lapina. And I am such a Sherry Lapina fan. I love her so much. Her writing is so fast. And it's so, like, it's just twisty enough that I, like, am into it. Um, I saw a spoiler on who the killer is, which totally ruined it for me. Um, they there There's this thing on Goodreads where you can put spoilers and it says spoilers here. And you have to click on it to, like, see the spoiler. But it was up in, like, the questions. And so I thought that was kind of weird. Because normally that's in, like, the reviews they put spoilers. But I was like, what could Apostle's... Like, the spoiler in the question can't be that much. I figured it was just, like, asking, like, some basic question that kind of gives away part of the plot. No, the question was about the killer, and it was, like, like her jail sentencing or something. And I was like, oh, okay, so I, I did that. And I, I, I frequently spoil things for myself, but this was, like, it kind of made the reading of the book very unenjoyable because I already knew. And so, like... There was no mystery for me to try to figure out, like, who did it. And it was just, like, whatever. Um, So I was, like, listening. And I was, like, no, I just don't really feel – I just am not, like, into it. And I felt like it was very similar to um, the guest list where I felt like the characters were almost interchangeable. The situation was almost interchangeable. Like, it just didn't feel like it was different enough. And, um, like I said, it's it was so, so, so similar. Like, painfully similar to An Unwanted Guest by Sherry Lapina. If you haven't read that, I recommend that way over this. And um, it just wasn't worth it to me to continue reading, especially since I already knew who did it. Also, um, one of my new favorite YouTube book people, Noelle Gallagher, she read it and she only gave it like three stars. She said it was like okay, but she could guess like what was going to happen. So I probably would have guessed like the twist anyway had I not known who did it, but I knew who did it. So it kind of took all the fun out of it for me. The next book is Sloppy First by Megan McCafferty. This was probably a quintessential book in the 2000s. At the time, it was probably fantastic. And had I picked it up then, I probably would have loved it and been all about it. But um, nothing happened in this book. And the girls were so catty. The main character is like, constantly talking about her friends and I'm using air quotes her friends like how they're always like bashing like celebrities and women in magazines and they're talking about their bodies and whatever but like she is bashing her friends constantly like she doesn't even like her friends like her best friend moves away and that's where I think it was supposed to be some sort of Lane and Rory when she went to Chilton vibe that's what I was going with I think um her best friend moves away and she is dealing with like the rest of her friend group without her best friend and she hates her friends um and then I think like she ends up with this like burnout guy and it's like super controversial but um I don't know it was something I couldn't finish it was kind of boring and I was feeling like I I was feeling like I was reading too many books at the time 
So I just like was like whatever like this isn't really holding my attention and you can't get a physical copy of this book anywhere like I wasn't gonna buy it and the library only has like ebooks and I don't love ebooks so this is what happens when you read an ebook um there was this part where it talked about she hadn't had a period in two months and I was really curious to know the reason why I couldn't find it anywhere online so if you for some reason read this book and you know let me know because I want to know if it was just stress or if it was something like PCOS or endometriosis because I have not read a book that had PCOS in it so I was like kind of intrigued but then I just like kind of kept it moving because I found out I had PCOS in high school and um like I, I feel like now as an adult, like it feels like such an adult thing that I deal with, but like I did, it did happen when I was in high school. Like it started when I was in high school. And so when I was reading it, I was kind of like, oh, I wonder if that is like a thing in this book, but I don't really know. And I, I'm sure it probably wasn't. Um, it's not like she was pregnant or anything. She like was a virgin. So it's not like she was like having like immaculate conception here, but, um, I was curious to know what the answer was. So if for some reason you've read this, then please let me know. I do kind of, I want to say I kind of think I could like this author. Like she's got all these other books. So I feel like I could maybe try. I feel like I've maybe read a book. Her her name sounds familiar. So we'll see. Um, we'll see. And then the last book is I Hate Everyone But You by Gabby Dunn and Allison Raskin. I couldn't tell you. Um, it was like IMs and emails back and forth, which I like. But it kind of just suffered the same fate as Sloppy First. Like, I could have finished, but I just didn't care. It just, like, wasn't holding my attention enough. So I was just like, we're just going to wrap this up. We're just going to call it a wrap. These, all, all these that I DNF'd, um, all these, like, last couple that I DNF'd, it was, like, at the tail end of the month. And I was like, you know what? I'm over it. Gilmore Girls, I'm over it. Like, we're done. We're moving on. That's that. Okay, so the first book I read for Gilmore Girls was The Readers of Broken Wheel Recommend by Katarina Bivald. And this was the perfect first book for this, like, situation. It was Stars Hollow to a T. And it definitely focused on all of the side characters. So if you like side characters like Miss Patty and Babette, like, this book is for you. It is translated from Swedish, which I think is fun. Um, it's about this girl, Sarah, who lives in Sweden, and she's pen pals with this older woman who lives in this tiny town in Iowa called Broken Wheel. And they write letters back and forth to each other, mostly about books, like they send books to each other. And so Sarah kind of knows a lot about all the people in this town. And then she asks Sarah to, Amy asks Sarah to come and visit her. And then when Sarah gets there, she finds out that Amy's just died. And it's like, well, fuck because she was coming to visit for like a month or something or like I don't know um but the town for some reason like comes together and takes care of Sarah and Sarah is like why are these people being so nice to me like it's really weird and like it's not only are they nice but they also just like appreciated like the relationship that Sarah had with Amy because like they all cared about Amy um, so it was really cute, like, and, like, Sarah already feels like she has relationships with these people because she has heard about them in all of Sarah, or all of Amy's letters, so I liked that, and then all of the Gilmore Girls vibes are there, like, the characters are meddling in her love life, and there's, like, lots of banding together for events and things, and, um, there's this super cute part near the end that's kind of similar to when the town gets together for when Rory's leaving town at the end of the series, and I was literally picturing, like, the little town square and Gilmore Girls the whole time. Um, honestly, it's more about, like, the town of Broken Wheel than this Sarah girl. 
Um, there's a bunch about all of the other characters. And I didn't love the side characters in Gilmore Girls until I had watched it a few times. But I think that if you like those characters, like, you'll definitely like this book. Um, I also liked the town was, like, a little woke. Um, they had, like, beloved gay men. I mean, there's, like, two. Like, the town's, I'm assuming, incredibly small. Um, but there's, like, two gay men that they are just, like, love. And there's this one black man, but they, like, all treat him, like, the same. And, like, they love him. And then a lot of the books that Amy would send to Sarah were, like, To Kill a Mockingbird and books by Harriet Beecher Stowe. And just, like, books that were not maybe what old white women were reading at the time. I don't know. Um, and... It's also a book about books, which I love. A lot of people in Goodreads had a problem with it because it mentions a lot of books and sort of how they pan out, but all of the books are old. So if those books are being spoiled for you, like you had your whole life to get it together and read them. Um, You know, like it talks about like Jane Eyre, which thankfully I just read. Um, And so it like basically spoils like one of the plot points of Jane Eyre, but it's like, Like, how long in your life have you had to read Jane Eyre? Were you going to? Probably not. Like, you know, it it doesn't really spoil, like, current books. It's just, like, kind of older books like that. Um, And I think that Rory Gilmore would have absolutely loved it. The next book was Truly Devious by Maureen Johnson. This was one of the boarding school type of books. It had this sort of Yale vibe. It felt very similar to A Good Girl's Guide to Murder by Holly Jackson. It's this girl who is trying to solve this like old mystery, murder, whatever. And I didn't like this book as much as I thought I would. The series has been floating around a lot and I have been interested in it. um, Probably because of the covers, because I'm a snob. But I think I liked it more than A Good Girl's Guide to Murder, but not by much. Um, it takes place in Vermont, which was super fun. There was like all this talk about Burlington and Lake Champlain and Church Street. And I loved all of those details and all of the like winter weather and gear and stuff that you need. I thought that was super fun because again, we lived in Burlington, so I think it's fun. And this felt way more like the Burlington that I know versus the Burlington of, um, we were liars that she did not live in Burlington. She's a liar. Um, I also like the school setup. It takes place at a school that was set up by this rich guy with kids that have like specific interests or skill sets, like a boarding school for like magnet students. I don't know if that's correct. I want to say magnet school is where you like, you have like skill sets that you like hone in on. I could be wrong. Um, but I just like wasn't super into it and I didn't really care how it all played out. Like it started to pick up towards the end and it got like really interesting for like the last couple of chapters, but then it ends without answering all the questions, forcing you to go on and read the next book. And I don't really think I care to do so. So yeah, the next book was so much fun. I finally, oh my gosh. Okay. So I read The Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants by Anne Brashares. Um, I listened to, because of my husband, this like ringer dish podcast, which honestly, honestly, let me put you onto something real quick. (laughs) Um, the ringer dish podcast is basically the daily for celebrities. Um, so if you, okay, before that, if you don't listen to the daily, the daily is like a, a, like 30 minute, like news update every day sort of podcast so like the most pressing thing going on in the world usually is like what they talk about and it's fascinating and it also keeps me informed because who has the time you know what I mean 
Um, so that's great. And they usually, it's usually like, sometimes there's like interviews, like sometimes there's like whatever, but like, it's, it's just like a quick little segment that's like breaking down the details. So there's been a ton of stuff about coronavirus. There was a ton of stuff about like Donald Trump and the election and like whatever. And like, it's just like very, it's like very fast. And I love, I love when I can get all of my news like broken down like super quickly. So, um, I really like that. But anyway, this ringer dish podcast or whatever, they do the same thing sort of, but it's on like pop culture. And I have realized that I have fallen out of pop culture. I don't know what's happening in celebrity world anymore. Like I know what's happening in Instagram influencers worlds, um, and things like that, but I don't pay attention to celebrities anymore. So this was kind of fun. Cause it's like, Oh, I get to find out like who's dating and who's fighting and who's whatever. And, um, I feel like that's kind of fun because I haven't been privy to that in a while. I just like, you know, it's just hasn't been a thing, but anyway, um, and I don't love the girls that do the podcast, but that's beside the point. Um, they do this thing called cringe mode or something where they watch movies that are kind of cringy and like old, whatever. They just watched The Sister of the Traveling Pants. And I was like, oh my God, I want to rewatch that. And it's been on my mind to read it because I need a book for body positivity and I have been struggling to find a book that's body positive. So I go into great detail in all of my notes about this fucking book because finally, a book that discusses body positivity. So I'm so glad that I did this. I haven't read this book since like high school or maybe honestly earlier than that. And it hit so different in the best possible way. I remember liking this book when I read it the first time, but not really like relating to the characters or really like understanding what they were going through. And now that I'm reading it as an adult, I'm like, whoa, if you live under a rock, this is about four girls that are all going their separate ways over the summer. And before they leave, they discover this pair of jeans that fits all four of their different body types. Hello, body positivity. Nothing like a good pair of jeans that looks great on you and all of your best friends equally for body positivity. I freaking love it. There's this part where it says that the pants are happy just doing their basic job of covering your butt without making it look fatter than it actually is. And there's this part where Carmen who's like the biggest girl like she's got big thighs and a big butt she puts them on thinking that she won't fit into him because all of her friends are skinnier and Bridget like she puts them on and Bridget is like Carmen that's not it at all look at yourself you are a thing of beauty you are a vision you are a supermodel hell freaking low this is what I was missing they also make all these rules for the pants and rule number three is you must never say the word fat which is p-h-a-t while wearing the pants and you must also not think of yourself as fat while wearing the pants come on like these freaking novels need to take notes from the YA books stat because this is what body positivity is Jeez louise so like I said I felt like I understood the girls a lot better now and what they were going through um I'm gonna talk freely about this because if you hadn't read that book that like it's on you um Carmen's story reminds me of Hannah's on Pretty Little Liars I remember thinking that Carmen was being dramatic about her dad, but there's this part where she asks why Paul, which is her dad's new stepson, can go visit his alcoholic dad once a month, but like her dad has only visited her a handful of times over a span of several years, and good freaking question, girl. This is super relatable for me, but that's a story for another day. I just felt like originally she was whiny, I think because I didn't like America Ferreira very much, but it clicks with me now, and I'm like, yeah, why is that? Like, why can't, like, why can this, like, teenager go do that for his deadbeat dad? But, like, 
you're like a regular dad and you can't just visit your daughter. Like, what the fuck? Um, Bridget's story reminds me sort of of the parent trap for some reason. I love how much she loves camp and fun and food and the beach. Yes, girl. The way she recoils so much after she sleeps with Eric is something that I don't think I understood when I was younger either. And like she thought she was ready, but she wasn't. And freaking Lena flying out to the camp instead of going home is such a baller ass friend move. She knew that she needed her just based on how her letters were written. And I was emotional as fuck when Effie said, go be her mom. Like, oh my God. Um, Tibby's story was like one I always understood, but I just felt this one like more deeply. Um, and then Lena's story made more sense to me now too, because she was feeling like an outsider in her family. And then to understand that she's like her grandpa after all of it, it's just like, and like, that's more than enough. Like, I just loved it. Um, I'm so excited to watch the movie and be disappointed and then to read the rest of the books. I have the second book, so um, I think I've read like the first two, but then there's like five of them and I have no memory of what the second one's about and I didn't read the rest of them. So I'm excited to read those. Um, It didn't exactly give me any Gilmore Girls vibes other than like the sisterhood and then like I was thinking about Alexis Bledel the whole time. Um, So I feel like that kind of counts. I feel like it's the same thing. Alexis Bledel is Gilmore Girls at the core, so I feel like it works. And then the last one is The Late Bloomers Club by Louise Miller. I mentioned when I listed out all these books and categories that Louise Miller's first book, The City Baker's Guide to Country Living, is the perfect Gilmore Girls book. It has a very like mother-daughter type of relationship, and it takes place in a fictional town in Vermont, very similar to Stars Hollow. And this book, I feel like, does it one better. It's centered around this girl, Nora, woman Nora who runs her like dead parents diner it's very like Luke Danes as a girl and then this older woman dies and leaves Nora her land and this big company is wanting to buy it and turn it into some sort of like Walmart type of place and there's like a town council and town meetings and a festival and it was all super super similar to Stars Hollow and I loved it I think like Louise Miller's books are like quintessential like Gilmore Girls vibes Um, I loved the first half of the book. It was really cute and cozy and I was here for it. And I assumed I was going to like this book better than the City Baker's Guide, but I didn't. The second half was sort of slow and then nothing really happened. And then like something happens at the end that seemed kind of unnecessary and I kind of wasn't paying attention anymore. I don't know. It was just kind of like a flop. Um, there was like a lot of fun little notes about Vermont that I wanted to talk about though. First of all, at the beginning of the book, she mentions that she goes to Macy's in Burlington and that's not there anymore. They shut that down and like it was like this mall and like they shut most of it down. So I thought that was funny because I was like, girl, the Macy's is gone. Um, There's this mention of Price Chopper, which was our grocery store. And I had this moment of nostalgia Um, and they also mentioned Front Porch Forum, which was hilarious based on like the zone of Vermont that you live in. You have this like forum where people post like anything and everything on there. Like if they're selling something, if they need help with something, if they like whatever, if there's a missing cat, like whatever. At the height of the pandemic, it was my husband and I's favorite pastime to just like read people's posts because people would sell things and advertise things. But people would also complain about things, and it was so great. Um, So I loved that they had, like, the little message boards in this book, and it was so cute. Um, But, yeah, ultimately, like, I didn't love it, but it still gives you, like, the warm, cozy vibes, and I loved the diner part. I think that, honestly, like, 
if we could take like the diner and Nora's character and um maybe even the Walmart guy and like put them into the City Baker's Guide to Country Living because I think I like their characters better than the two main characters of that book. I don't know. Still, Louise Miller's books are pretty good. So if you haven't read them, go for it. I probably think I like the City Baker's Guide a little bit better just because I feel like the story was executed a little bit better. Like the end of this just like wasn't that great, but it was still good. Okay, so that's all I got. Um, I had other books planned. I was going to read A Study in Charlotte, but the library never freaking gave it to me. I was going to read Girls with Sharp Sticks, which I own, but the, I I was going to say, but the library never gave it to me. <laughs> I own it. Um, I just never had time. And um, yeah, there were a couple other books, but I just wasn't super interested. So they'll just go on my TBR as regular, and then maybe I'll pick them up in the future. Um, the first regular book I read was The Woman in Cabin 10 by Ruth Ware. This super, super reminded me of The Woman in the Window by A.J. Finn. But I have learned since I read that book that A.J. Finn is problematic. Um, he plagiarized a lot of his work or something or he stole someone's story. Um, I don't know. Do your own research about that. But the book was not great anyway. So I would definitely read this book over that book. I do know the movie is coming out on Netflix and I probably will watch it just because I read the book already but um I would definitely read this book over that book if you whatever because I think they're similar enough um I don't think I like Ruth Ware I don't like the pacing of her books I DNF the Lion Game because it was taking forever and it was dragging the twist on and on and on like don't put the twist at the beginning of the book. I don't like it. And then this book didn't get good until almost the end. And it did this weird thing where I kept feeling like I was like almost at the end. Like I thought we were at the climax. And then I realized I had half the book left. And then I thought I reached the climax and I had like a fourth of the book left. And like it just kept happening. And it was so frustrating because I kept thinking I was almost done. And then I was like, what the hell is happening? Um, it's about this woman who goes on a cruise ship to write a magazine article and, um, like something happens while she's there and that's pretty much all I can say. I didn't love the main character, but overall I feel like the book was pretty decent. I feel like it was pretty good. I think I give it like four stars and, um, it's going to be made into a movie and so is The Lion Game. So we'll see how those go. I think his movies will probably be better, but that's just my opinion. I don't know. Um, next I read Go Ask Alice by anonymous um I read this book because I needed a book that was written anonymously for a pop sugar prompt and I knew I already owned this first of all this book was published anonymous anonymously and then it came out that the woman who compiled it is just a woman who wrote it and she made it up or something um again do your own research but that's the story I'm going with so as it is it's kind of tainted I'm pretty sure that she she wrote this as a way to like get people to steer clear of drugs and stuff which whatever um it was propaganda that's the word I used to really love it I think that when I got it when I was like a preteen or something um it was about like sex and drugs and it was super interesting and enticing to me I had a best friend from like birth until I was like a teenager and she was like a bad girl and she introduced me to this of course and I remember absolutely loving it because I'm a good girl and I've never done drugs I realized the other day that I've never smoked anything like cigarettes weed whatever 
Um, So I think I was living vicariously through this situation and it's pretty short. So it's something that you can get through quickly and it's in diary form and it makes it all like just really juicy and fun and fast and whatever. Um, If for some reason you haven't read this, it's about this girl who falls into drugs and then kind of goes on and off them and falls in and out of that like crowd in high school. Reading it as an adult, I I don't think I've read this book in years, years and years and years, and it does not hold up the same. I was like, what did I like about this? I don't like this. I I think it's something that you can probably like when you're young, but when you're an adult, you're like, what in the fuck? No, no thank you. Um, It made me feel kind of gross the way that Crank and those other books did. Um, So I'm going to be getting rid of this book, and I never thought, like, I have held on to this book for years, and I'm always just like, it's just like this tiny little book, and it's just like a prized possession that goes from house to house, but um, it's, it's just not, it's just not, it's not a thing. Um, I put in here a side note that I want to make a little free library because the town I live in could benefit from books being easy to get and I want to share books with people and I um, always take all the kids books to Goodwill and stuff and I was like well why not why not share them or whatever so I'm building a collection and um, I'll probably put more about that in the future I'll probably talk more about that I do have I have a book or not a book I have a podcast that I recorded while I was driving around doing something relating to this that I'm debating if I'm going to put up or not because I feel like a weird human now. So we'll see. Um, but yeah, this was the first book that like for some reason it like clicked. And I was like, oh yeah, I'm going to build a little free library. And I'm going to put this out there for the youth to read. Even though it's probably not a good book for me to put out there for those kids. But whatever. Um, the third book I read was Concrete Rose by Angie Thomas. Did I know that I needed Maverick Carter's backstory? No. No, I did not. This book was incredible. I loved The Hate You Give, but Maverick's story didn't seem that important to me. So when I saw this come out, I was like, I'll probably read it because I like the other book. But like, I don't think I care. I did not think that I would like this, let alone. I think I like this more than The Hate You Give. Um, I also had tried to read on the come up like I think last year and I DNF'd it but I may go back and read that again now that I know how much I love this book because I feel like if I would have like given that more of a chance like her writing is so good it's so so good um this is strictly about Maverick and his life as a teenager getting Aisha pregnant with Seven and then Lisa pregnant with Star and you get to see where like a lot of his beliefs and morals come from and I have chosen to stand Um, there's this quote in the book that says, if it won't help the rose grow, you gotta let it go, which is just like everything. Um, I think that you could read this without reading The Hate You Give, or you could read them in like either order, but I would probably read The Hate You Give first just because that's the order that she released them in. But I definitely think that you should read these if you haven't, because her writing is so perfect. And I watched The Hate You Give with my sister recently, and I didn't love the adaptation, but I felt like if this book were going to get turned into a movie, it would be very, very good. So far on my, like, IMDb search, there's no plans in sight. Um, You know, I checked, but I felt like this was very, very good. Like, I really, really liked this book, and I honestly was like, I probably won't read it. Maybe I will. Maybe I won't. And I just on a whim just like having to read it. And it's so good. I really liked it. 
The next book is Too Good to Be True by Carola Lovering. This was my book of the month pick for March. I still haven't read The Kindest Lie, which was February's pick, but I liked this more than The Dating Plan, which was January's pick, if you cared. Um, actually, I also read People We Meet on Vacation this month, which is the April pick. So out of the four books that I've got, I've only read three of them, but out of the four that I've gotten from book of the month, this is my favorite. But this one wasn't that great. So I don't know. Um, it's like that saying, there are three sides to every story. There's like the wife's side and the husband's side and the truth or whatever, or one person and the other person and the truth. Um, but like in this case, the third side is in the truth. It's a person. I can't really give anything away. Um, I saw the potential like twists and things coming, but it wasn't like annoying when it normally is like when you figure twists out because I still wanted to see how they all like carried everything out. Um, if you can read this without reading the synopsis, I definitely recommend that because it spoils a bit of it in my opinion. I read it without reading the synopsis really. So, um, I don't know. Well, I think it was like good and different to enjoy and each character's like point of view was really like compelling. The writing was really bad. All of the characters had like similar thoughts or statements where you can tell that they're all being written by the same person. Um, I imagine it's probably very difficult to write from different points of view, but it's a major bummer when you can see that the characters are so similar and repetitive. Um, like that's just like annoying like this dude and this girl obviously don't have the same thoughts in their brain but then like because they're written by the same person they do have the same thoughts in their brain and I just didn't like it um and the timelines don't like line up there were things that would happen and then a month later they were mentioned like they just happened because they were being told from the other person's point of it just that was weird um and the ending was just like too tidy I wish it would have been like more dramatic like Sherry Lapina sort of ending. Um, but it was okay if you, you know, it was okay. I don't really know how else to say it. It was just okay. The next book I read was Legendborn by Tracy Dion. So everyone and their mom is reading and loving this book right now. And I feel like such a turd that I don't love it the way that everybody else does. On Goodreads, I gave it four stars, but I really wanted to give it three. Um, my star rating system is truly based on how I feel in that moment. I feel like I'm a lot harder on books that should have been better and books that are obvious garbage from the start. I'm like, sure, three stars. You tried your best. But books that should be good and then fall flat for me, I could also give like two stars or three stars just from sheer disappointment. So honestly, it's just like a ranking that happens in my brain. Like it's just like an instinct. So honestly, like this book instinctually, I wanted to give three stars, but I gave it four because I, I can appreciate that it's actually better than some of the garbage that I have read. Um, I don't know. When I was reading this, I was thinking of the Inheritance Games, which is like less fantasy, less fantasy-ish um, that I read before this, and it was not great. And there was nothing really wrong, but it was just so-so, and I gave it three stars. So I felt like I couldn't give this three stars as well because it's way better than that book. Um, but it's still disappointing and I don't think it deserves four stars either. So it's just like a difficult system. It's not a perfect system, but it's difficult. Um, anyways, it's about this girl, Brie, who goes to some sort of student program at UNC. Side note, why is this a thing in every single book I read? 
I don't remember this being an option when I was in high school. Like we could take college credit courses for college credit in addition to our classes or instead of our classes, but we took them like at school or online. Like we didn't get to go live in dorms and just live college life early. I feel like that's a thing that happens in a lot of books lately. I'm here for it. I think I'm just jealous. I don't know. Um, So she discovers this like secret society that is stemmed from King Arthur and the Knights of the Round Table. And there's magic and Merlins and demons and knights and people that fight off all the bad stuff. And she sort of accidentally joins and is someone's page. And she goes through the motions of becoming a knight basically. She ends up finding out that she does actually have magic. And so she's trying to uncover things about her mom and her mom. Like, her mom has died, and she's trying to uncover stuff about that. And it's, like, all wrapped up together in this, like, secret society and school. It was good. And, like, retelling it back, I feel like I liked it more than I realized. Like, I think it probably is maybe worth four stars. But the whole time that I was reading it, I just kept thinking about all of the ways it could have been better. Like, there's this whole backstory about the magic that she has. And I feel like that was way, way more interesting than the society and the king arthur stuff and this book is fucking massive it's like 500 pages and it's a lot of world building and a lot of stuff that leaves you kind of confused like i think if this were just about her and her backstory it would have been incredible and i would have been here for it like the king arthur stuff didn't add anything to the story and it honestly only made it confusing and long like i haven't seen anybody agree with me but whatever I have seen a lot of people say that like they were really confused about the the magic system and the King Arthur like the rankings and things like that and I wasn't like confused by it I just felt like it was not necessary when you have a book that's 500 pages and there's something that I'm like if we would have cut all of this out the book would have been better like it's just annoying the romance situation is also like kind of weird and I didn't love it um but an important note is that Brie is black which makes a lot of the stuff about her past and her present way more interesting than if this were just another like white girl fantasy novel and like not only is she dealing with um you know being new and like being in the society and um her mom dying and like grief and um trying to figure out the magic situation and whatever like she also has this like extra layer because she's black and she's being treated differently because she's black um like because it's like the secret this old secret society of old white men um so it's like you know like for her she's like the first black person and like what like in this situation or whatever and like um that's like a this like extra layer of it and um I don't know I liked it I didn't like it as much as everyone else or as much as I thought I would I definitely didn't like it enough to read 500 pages of it, but she's working on a sequel, and I'm sure that I'll read that too, Sigh. I just, I feel like it could have been better, and I, it's, it's so frustrating because I feel like the writing was very good, and I feel like if it were just a smidge edited, it would have been better, but that's my opinion. Nobody else agrees with me, so whatever. Um, the next book I read was All Your Perfects by Colleen Hoover. This is my first Colleen Hoover. She's like a legend among bookstagram and everybody loves her. And I don't know that this was the best one to start with, but it ended up working for me, so it's fine. The book's title comes from this like fortune cookie that they read at the beginning of the book that says, if you only shine light on your flaws, all your perfects will dim. It's about this married couple who is dealing with infertility, which is way too close to home for me. There was this moment where I texted my husband when I was reading it, and I was like, 
I think I'm reading a bad book for me. And I explained what was happening. And he was like, yeah, DNF, which I thought was funny because he was using bookstagram lingo. Um, but I was like almost finished and it's like kind of on the shorter side. So I read it really quickly and I just like kept going. It goes like back and forth between the present and then when they first started dating and there's like a clear difference. They were super in love and now they're struggling because this whole having kids thing like really sucks the life out of the relationship. And that's like one of the reasons why I just don't know if we could ever try like IVF or something like that because I think I would rather not have kids than lose my marriage and the struggle. You know what I mean? Um, it also mentions how people do like the fake pregnancy April Fool's thing. And since I read this like not too long after April 1st, I have thoughts about April Fool's. That doesn't bother me. I, I know that I'm alone in this because every single year on like March 31st, there's all those things that go around that say pregnancy is not a joke don't make it an April Fool's jokes about being pregnant and like whatever. And like the whole like April Fool's and then being like, oh, I'm not actually pregnant. Like I know it bothers people, but I don't understand why. I almost feel like it's a relief when somebody isn't actually pregnant. Like I feel like it's like they're like, oh, I'm pregnant. And then they're like April Fool's. And I'm like, okay, good. Thank God. Because there's one less person who's not pregnant. You know what I mean? Like, I just, it doesn't ever really bother me. And I know, like, this has been a thing for a, a while, and it's just, like, going to keep on being a thing. But, like, like why does it matter if someone else, I, I know it sucks. Trust me, I know it sucks. Um, Like, if you are, like, there are times where, like, you see, like, people that, like, mistreat their kids or they, like, left their kids in the car so they could smoke weed in the house or crack and whatever. I don't know the situation, but you know what I mean? When there's people that probably shouldn't have kids. I'm like, it's really frustrating that like those people were able to have kids and I can't. Like that is definitely frustrating. So that part sucks. And sometimes it is difficult to hear people complain about their kids on a constant basis like when they're constantly complaining it's fine to complain like your kid's an asshole like that's really fine like it's it's fine to be stressed it's fine to have your moments and whatever um and it's fine to be like whatever but when it's like it's like a constant constant thing like over and over and over again um and this is like also strictly when your child is like neurotypical like this like I understand like there's like a whole there's like a whole extra layer of things when you are struggling for your own personal reasons like that's a whole separate thing but I'm just saying like when you're just like constantly just like uh my kid wants me to play with them or uh it's just like that part kind of annoys me because I'm like "Mm, did you want to have kids like was this your plan like I don't know um But I also don't understand being upset when everyone else around you is getting pregnant. Like, it might suck. Um, And I definitely, like, there are definitely times where it's like, ugh, like, I don't know. Um, But I'm never not happy for people. And I'm never not, like, another person getting pregnant is not the reason why I'm not able to get pregnant. Like, they're not stealing that it's not like a limited resource and like they're able to do it and I'm not so it doesn't make any sense to me to be like upset about other people being pregnant um 
I don't know. I, I just, the April Fool's thing just really gets me. But anyway, I liked it and I liked how it ended. And it's not a super interesting book and it's not what I thought I was getting from the great Colleen Hoover, but I still thought it was good and I gave it like five stars because it was like on trend for me. Um, if you don't care about infertility, you probably won't care about this book. But if you do care about infertility, it'll probably be a little difficult to read. So it's kind of like I'm not sure who's supposed to read this. But, um, yeah, I, I thought Colleen Hoover books were kind of, like, thrilling. So now I'm thinking that I was wrong and maybe they're just, like, romance books. But I don't really know. It was good. Um, the next book is the book that was the best book I read all month. It was so incredibly good. Um, it's Finley Donovan is Killing It by L. Cosimano. Cosmano. This book was so good. I saw it floating all over Bookstagram and I was like, yeah, 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 whatever. Like, I'll get to it. It lived up to the hype 100%. I didn't know what it was about before I read it. So I think that makes it better. But I'm going to tell you what it's about. So if you want to go in blind, just like skip forward a little bit. Um, It's about this like stressed out single mom who gets mistaken for a hitman. And this whole sort of like mystery unravels. It's like if the TV show Good Girls, which if you haven't seen that yet, you need to. And Taylor Swift, the song Nobody, No Crime. It's like if those two had a baby. At one point, it literally says, as long as there's no body, there's no case. It's so good. I listened to the audiobook and I usually do that in like pieces. Like I'll listen here, I'll listen there, whatever. I listened to the entire thing in almost one sitting while I was cleaning my house and then I went on and finished it later that night because I was hooked. It was so different and like funny and solidly good all the way through. I am so excited to like read other books that this person writes because this I freaking loved this. It was so good. If you only read one book on this list read that book. It was so good. The next book I read was Queenie by Candace Ca- Candace Cardi Williams. This was just like okay, but the audiobook for this was fantastic. There were these little vibrating sounds whenever she got text messages and little swoosh sounds whenever she sent text messages and I freaking loved it. It's just about this girl Queenie who is like British and Jamaican, I think. And her boyfriend breaks up with her in a very like Ross-like way, calling it a break when he's basically just like trying to break up with her and it's like her coping with that and she sleeps with a bunch of different guys who all have their own problems and consequences and like some of it honestly was a little rough to read like a little bit of a trigger warning for like some rough stuff um but it kind of reminded me of this book that I DNF'd last year called 32 Candles because the main character was being treated really poorly and struggling so much and I don't love to read about that stuff and there were a few times where this character was so infuriating because she was kind of irresponsible and was also living just like passively so it was fine but it was not great like she was not using a condom and she was sleeping with a bunch of dudes and was like having to go into like the clinic constantly because of it and like she had this job where she was making like no money but then was like constantly borrowing money from her friends and like living like super broke And it's like, as much as I understand the hustle for the dream, like, if you are not able to, like, okay, so real, real talk. 
the way that I live my life, more than likely, if I were not with my husband, I would not be able to live the way that I live just on my income alone. Um, because I don't make a lot of money in my job. However, like the part about my job that's like pertinent to our relationship is the flexibility that I have and the like job security that I have. And, um, you know, that's why I was able to go to Vermont very easily because it's like, oh, I can, I'll do this. I can do this wherever. It's totally fine. I also was able to come straight back into this job and had a job the second we walked back into St. Louis. So it's like, I have like, I have certain things that like definitely help and they're beneficial for our relationship and then you know whatever but um I also you know handle our finances very very well so it works out but ultimately like the way that I live my life I could probably not afford to live the same way just on my income alone and honestly more than likely I would probably have to get a different job if my husband and I were not together because I would not be able to live the way that I wanted to live. And so I just feel like ultimately like I understand when you're in a situation and when you're in a job and when you're working towards a goal and whatever. But I also understand that there are people that work two jobs so that they can do what they want or there are people that like work a little bit harder to do things. And she just felt kind of like she wasn't trying and that was kind of annoying. Like she had really great ideas and she had things that she really wanted to like write about and stuff in her job. And like I think that she was probably smart and capable but like at some point like when you have no money and when you are not able to like provide for yourself without mooching off of your friends and things like that like when when do you do something about that when do you like step up and get a side gig or like you know what I mean like it just felt like she was just like letting things happen to her and then like there's this whole like depression moment and I like I think that like it was too difficult for her to just like do that and like take those steps and things but it was so frustrating and it that's why it reminded me of 32 candles because it was like she was stuck and I don't love reading about people that are just like not doing great I just don't it's just not something I enjoy so it was fine I don't know um the next book is homework by Julie Andrews I needed something random to listen to in the middle of all these books and I was um like I was reading like six books at a time or something and it was like too much and so I randomly downloaded this to read and I mentioned before I love reading or I love listening to biographies autobiographies when the author reads them because I think it's like really fun I have literally no opinion of Julie Andrews but it popped up and I was like sure whatever um she's like your grandma if your grandma were British just like calmly telling you a story I didn't care um but it literally was a palate cleanser like it was just like la 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 I'm just gonna do my thing and listen to her talk and if I didn't pay that much attention then so be it um she was jumping around from topic to topic and didn't spend a lot of time on any one thing I guess she has a biography about her life like growing up and that this one was about her career so she didn't like I didn't have to hear all the backstory about her life because I honestly wouldn't care but I was so annoyed because she didn't go into freaking princess diaries and I assume now she's gonna write another book about her career after the 21st century I was really hoping for some princess diaries action so I was really let down um and one of the reasons why I was sure that she was going to talk about it was because she mentioned that she got pulled over or something and was busted because she had a license that was like five years expired hello 
That actually happened to her. And then that was in the Princess Diaries movie. And I want to have the confirmation that that was intentionally put in there to like poke fun at her because it actually happened to her. So I thought for sure they were going to mention Princess Diaries and they didn't. I got all the way to the end and I was like, God damn it. Um, they did talk about Mary Poppins and the Sound of Music, which made Tommy go, oh, wow, she's like two of the biggest nannies ever. She's like your hero, which is funny. Um, and hearing her talk about how they filmed various scenes in Mary Poppins was interesting. I won't give them away because if you want to read it. Um, and then I guess she loved the Austria, the Austrian area so much when she was filming the Sound of Music that her family ended up buying a chalet in Switzerland for a large chunk of the time. They like flitted from California to England to Switzerland and just jumped from place to place to place over and over. And they also had all these kids that were always spread out and left with the nannies. And then on top of that, they adopted these two girls from Vietnam, which I'm sure was like the best thing for the two girls in the end. But her and her husband were always working and they were almost always in a different part of the world. So that's it's weird with me. Um, she did also mention various things like where they went to a party and there were people doing cocaine and like her husband had a pillow problem and it seems like she's like kind of a little bit cooler than her grandma persona that she has. If she puts out another book, I'll probably listen because Bridgerton will be in there now. So, you know, you know. The next book I read, I was going to say chapter 10. (laughs) The next book I read is Monday's Not Coming by Tiffany D. Jackson. I am newly obsessed with this girl Katie Coulson on booktube and she was talking about how much she loved this book I cannot tell you how much I love this Katie Coulson girl like I'm obsessed with her I I am so obsessed I'm watching all of her YouTube videos I'm going backwards and just like watching all of them because I'm obsessed um and she's mentioned this book a couple times about how it's just like so good it's like kind of like young adult middle grade ish I don't know it's about this girl Claudia who goes to school and her best friend Monday isn't there and she's the only person who's like hey where's Monday where's Monday what's going on and like no one else seems to notice or care and she keeps asking people but everybody's like "Mm, yeah okay and like nobody cares like can you imagine I would feel crazy so I definitely thought that this was gonna go one way and then it went another way and I kind of feel like I need to read it all over again now just so I can put the pieces back together because it was great. I saw a review that said that it started out as like middle grade and then revved up to young adult and then at the end it ended as like an adult thriller and I agree you go through this like it's kind of young and she seemed kind of young and then there's like this like young adult like sort of thing and then like it just like slowly revs up like that and it's really really good. I really freaking liked it. Then I read, at the freaking request of my 11-year-old nanny kid, I read the first three books in the One Piece manga series. They're called Romance Dawn, Buggy the Clown, and Don't Get Fooled Again by Ichiro Oda. Um, It's really silly that I'm including these, but we're including them, okay? Because I had to suffer through them, we're including them. I should probably also add up all of my Magic tree bu- Treehouse books while we're at it, you know? Because I read like 600 of those a year. Um, So my oldest nanny kid is obsessed with One Piece and Dragon Ball Z and Japanese cartoons and all of that. Um, We were talking about Duolingo and it's so funny. He signed up to learn Japanese like he's going places. Um, So I said that I would read them and then I was like if I can get through the first three. If I feel like they're like three stars I will carry on. But 
they're not. So I stuck it out for the first three and now I'm done. They're like your basic manga series. Like the character is, the main character is super annoying to me. And I feel like every single like book is just like fighting. That's like the central theme, which makes sense for what they are, I guess. Um, but I don't care. That's not my thing. So it's whatever. Um, mangas, I feel like are hard to read because you read them backwards and you read them right to left. Like, it's fine once you get the hang of it, but it's a little disorienting the first time you're reading them. Like, pick up a manga. See how it goes. Um, But I did love that we were able to talk about it because he's constantly talking about these, like, characters and stuff. And I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, I want to understand. I want to care, but I just don't. And so now we were, like, talking about it. He was really excited. Like, it was, like, a thing. I honestly probably at some point might read more of them just because I appreciate this like conversation that we're having but at least for right now like I can understand like all the things he's talking about and whatever so that was fun he also taught me about plot armor which is amazing um like particularly in books where the characters are have like special skills or they're in battles or whatever like their armor is plot armor like they're so important for the plot that they can't be killed like that's great I won't be reading any more of these, I don't think. I mean, probably not, but that was that. Okay, the moment I've been waiting for, People We Meet on Vacation by Emily Henry. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a new contestant competing with Where the Crawdads Sing for the worst book I ever forced myself to read. Yes, you heard that right. As bad as Where the Crawdads Sing. Maybe worse, maybe not. This book was my book of the month club pick for April and everyone everywhere was saying how good this book was. They were saying such good things about it. I had reservations because this is the same author as the person who wrote Beach Read, which I DNF'd last year, but I figured I would give her another chance because the story sounded like whatever. Never again. Never again am I going against my better judgment. All of Bookstagram is obsessed with this book and my best friend Sarah texted me saying that she read it in two days and she was like so excited for me to read it. It took me almost two, two full weeks to get through. I can read like at least 10 books a month, okay? This month I read what, 18, 19? So it took me two weeks to read one book. Like that is excessive, especially if I'm not enjoying it. Because I sort of, bought this book it's a book of the month club so I didn't buy it my grandpa bought it because he bought me a membership for the year but because it was a book that was kind of purchased I felt like I had to finish it but the whole entire time I wanted to stop I kept thinking it would get better because everyone loves it it has to get better but it didn't it's about these two people Poppy and Alex they're best friends Poppy's a girl Alex is a boy and they go on vacation together every year for like 12 years And then they end up together. That's it. That's the book. That's the whole book. The writing was so painful. Poppy's friend Rachel calls her babe in every single sentence when she's speaking. And Poppy refers to Alex as Alex Nilsson. The whole goddamn book. Is this Montreal Hill? People don't refer to people with their first and last names unless they're on the CW. Why are we doing this? Poppy and Alex felt like the exact same as the two characters in Beach Read. They had zero chemistry. Their whole relationship slash friendship was boring. Poppy is a travel influencer, which I roll. I'm so tired of reading books about influencers. 
So because she's an influencer, they go to all these places and um, whatever for their trips. And then it's flashing back and forth between their past trips and their current trips. So it's like 12 years ago, 12 summers ago, 10 summers ago, blah, 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 all the way up until this year. And so they're just going back and forth. It'll be like 10 summers ago and then it'll be this year. It'll be nine summers ago and then it'll be this year. And it's so boring the the trip that they're currently on they're on like rocky ground because they have like a falling out and they haven't gone on a trip in two years and they have all of these like issues on their current trip and I just one of the issues is that the AC is out at the place that they're staying um hi bestie they sell fans literally everywhere for twenty dollars it's not a cure-all but dear god you would think that they were trapped in this rental place forever forever just go buy a box fan dude my air conditioning has gone out in my apartment before too and you know what I did I bought a fan like that's all you can do but just sweat and be miserable I don't understand the ending was also so fucking stupid I don't know what this book is supposed to even be about like Poppy is suddenly a committophobe she loves her family but she's desperate to get out of her hometown like she doesn't know what she wants and she's never known like I feel like everything was thrown together in some attempt to create a fake conflict where there wasn't any there were 12,000 better endings to the story and I was so pissed when it finished because why did I force myself through that why I also the book was originally titled you and me on vacation which is a way better way more fitting title for this book and honestly it would have given me another reason just to avoid it because it was horrible it was horrible and my friend's like yeah but it was like light and easy and I'm like it no it wasn't it wasn't easy it wasn't light it was stupid I just I feel like I'm gonna get my bookstagram card revoked because I didn't like it and every I have not seen one single person dislike this book but I absolutely hated every second of it it was not a good time it was straight up not a good time it was so so bad and so boring and it has me like thinking about like all of my life choices like do I even know what a good book is because I don't think that this book is good but everybody else does like do I even read books that are good like thankfully like going back through this and like thinking about all the books I read this month like I can at least like I liked Finley Donovan is killing it and I gave it five stars. The Sister of the Traveling Pants, I gave five stars. Colleen Hoover, five stars. Like, so I did read five star books this month. So at least I know I'm not like a cold, heartless person. Like I am still reading books that I think are good. But it's just like, it's making me really frustrated because I'm like, I feel like I was forced to read this book, which obviously I wasn't. But I will say it was the only book that looked interesting on book of the month this month. It was like the only book that was worth it, which is why I went ahead with it like that. And the fact that everybody was saying such good things and like, it seemed like it was going to be really good. Um, so I probably would have picked it regardless, but it just like, I, I'm just like frustrated. Like I don't want to keep reading books that other people are reading and like only reading them because other people are like I I am a cover snob so I read books based on the cover and I really like the cover of this book which was the whole reason why I put it on my TBR when it first came out because I was like oh I like that cover and I put it on I don't even read the synopsis half the time and that's my own fault but from now on like if there is a book that is super hyped I'm gonna need like some references I am gonna need 
like three people close to me telling me it's good before I can read it because it's just like getting to the point where I feel like I am on one side of the world while everybody else is on the other side and it's making me feel sad because I hated this book and I need someone else to hate it with me so don't read it but if you've read it and you've hated it please let me know because I hated it. The last book I read this month is A Fall Love Story by Lone Lee. It's basically a Romeo and Juliet retelling. Um, It's very similar to Tweet Cute in that there's two kids that have like rivaling family restaurants. They're both um, pho restaurants, which I don't really know what pho is because I'm uncultured swine. But I also am very picky, so there's that. Um, They're Vietnamese restaurants, and it gave me such like nostalgic vibes because I used to work in a sushi Japanese restaurant and um it gave me just like such like nostalgic vibes like they were talking about like hoisin sauce and I was like oh my god I know what that is and like stuff like that like I was just like oh my god like I feel home I feel at home it was it was interesting because it was um there was like Vietnamese like customs and language and stuff in there which is not anything that I have any idea about so I really liked that. I think I liked Tweet Cute more because of the build-up. I feel like the build-up was better between the two characters like um Lin and Bao like I think that they instantly liked each other and so I feel like there was a little it was that was a little lackluster and I feel like the ending wrapped up really quickly but overall it was good this was light and easy okay if we're talking about light and easy this was light and easy it was just very simple you know what's gonna happen it's a Romeo and Juliet situation their families don't get along there's some sort of something about their families they end up together like that's all you need to know and it's fine it's fine that you know that going in it's no big whoop and you get some like food in the background it's great I freaking liked it um I do want to go on a slight rant for a, a hot second about how much I hate hostesses even though this has nothing to do with hostesses it's just like restaurants in general I worked at Drunken Fish for six years I was a hostess and I was going to be like a server or whatever I did that didn't like it so they let me host and I just made more money and I was compensated and treated differently um I basically helped run the front of house and um I think I was like probably on track to be a manager and then I left. So there's that. Um, Don't quit your daydream people. So anyway, I, it's something that happens when my husband and I go to restaurants. My husband was a general manager of restaurants for several years and he has worked in restaurants since he was 15. So he has strong opinions about restaurants. It's a little difficult for us to go to a restaurant, to be honest, between the two of us. Um, but my biggest gripe is about hostesses because typically hostesses are teenagers and they don't know what they're doing, which is the reason why when my husband was general manager in restaurants, he would always like oversee the hostesses. So basically the hostesses were like little robots doing what he told them to do. Um, that was kind of my role in the restaurant is like, I would tell all of the other hostesses what to do. Um, because you don't need a brain to hostess. Like you just need to be a little intelligent. It's like, it's not easy to be like, hi, welcome to so-and-so and like to see people like that's not difficult. What's difficult is navigating a busy restaurant and knowing how to place people like puzzle pieces and knowing how to handle wait lists and things like that. That's like the part that's difficult. And I was able to do that because I was 
smart, but I was also older and whatever. So it's something that you can't exactly replicate and hostesses don't make any money. So it's like, obviously it's going to be young children doing this job. But if you can get a situation where you have someone that is smart, like hold on to them for dear life because hostesses are dumb, dumb, dumb dummies. We went to dinner for my sister's birthday, um, like a week ago and, um, we all are halfway vaccinated. We were socially distanced, yada, 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 whatever. Um, and we went there and it was packed. It was like super busy. There were so many people, like it was crazy. It was a madhouse, whatever. Um, again, our table, we were like separated from people, like whatever. Um, so we got there and there was like a a lot, a large group of us, like it was like nine people and the hostess was like okay it's gonna be an hour and a half and I was like okay perfect put our name down whatever we walked outside to like wait for like the rest of my family to get there and then when my family got there I was like yeah they said it's gonna be an hour and a half but it's not I would think an hour at the most it was 20 minutes we waited for 20 minutes we were quoted an hour and a half do you know how many people here hour and a half and then leave and don't stay at the restaurant because absolutely not would I want to wait an hour and a half for a table anywhere honestly this place is like my favorite restaurant ever so I probably would wait an hour and a half but like nobody's gonna wait an hour and a half for a table and then it's only 20 minutes do you know the business that you're losing and obviously they don't care because they have people like it's busy whatever But it was infuriating. (laughs) Like, why do you, why would you tell somebody an hour and a half and then 20 minutes later, that is so, you look so stupid. And most people would be like, oh, this is great. I get to go in early. Like, this is great. I'm like, oh my God, you're such a dummy. How can I help you make this better? And then it was even worse because we went in and there's literally like seven girls behind this desk, okay? And not a single one of them looked at us. Not a single one of them said anything. One girl was talking to another person and she was like trying to seat them. And then another girl was like fiddling around on the iPad trying to like figure something else out. And they all just stood there. Like not even one of them was like, hi, or anything. Like didn't acknowledge us at all. And then finally this girl looked up and she's like, oh, like, hi, you know, what, what's your name or like whatever and I was like um you literally just texted me this is the same girl who put me on the wait list like you just told me it was time for our table to come like why don't you have even a slight recollection of the order of events that just happened prior to me walking up to the hostess stand you know what I mean like oh my gosh it just makes me so sad because we were literally back in the prime drunken fish was like this hot ass restaurant where everybody went and it was like two hour wait on the weekends like make your reservations ahead of time it was a small restaurant so there weren't a lot of tables like it used to be like the spot and we would navigate that wait list like to a t like if you were quoted 45 minutes it was 45 minutes if you were quoted an hour and a half it was an hour and a half like we were on fucking point because you're supposed to add five minutes every time and like oh my gosh it's really not that difficult but it is. And so that was really annoying. And I just wanted to bitch about that for five seconds in the middle of this fucking book talk. And then book talk. TikTok is my next complaint. In the middle of this book wrap up. Um, the other thing is I just saw this TikTok literally like last night, two days ago. And 
it was this girl who was hostess who was telling this like story about how she put a couple on a wait or she put like a family on a wait and like their table was ready and she was like the smith family your table is ready and this girl came up and she's like are you the smith family and she's like yeah and so they went she went and sat them at their table and then this lady comes up to her after that and she's like well why did those people get sat before me when we were here first which is a constant thing that you hear when you're a hostess. Why did they get sat before me? And it's like, well, because they were willing to sit on the patio or they were willing to sit at the bar or they were, you know what I mean? Like, mind your business. You people are dumb, but whatever. Um, so she's like, what's your name? And she's like, Smith. And so she realizes that she sat the wrong people at the table because those people weren't actually the Smith family. That was not actually the person that was on the wait. And she, they were a, somebody lower on the list, on the wait list. I have so many, okay, first of all, that's your fault. That was your mistake. Keep it moving. Like, that's the end of that. It's like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. There was miscommunication. I will make sure that we get a table to you. Let me go get something, like, let me go, like, see how much longer. I'll give you an exact time. Like, I'll go clean up the table myself. Like, blah, 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 blah. Like, we'll make something happen for you in the next five minutes. I'm so sorry for the inconvenience. Let me go get you a drink while you're, like, something. You just smooth it over. I made a mistake. Carry on. This bitch, this bitch went to the table and asked the people and was like, um, yeah, what'd you say your name was again? And they were like, oh, uh, and like, whatever. And like confronted them because they took the reservation or they took the wait list name that wasn't theirs and like made them feel like, like tried to like get into like an, like a whatever with them about it. And like, ultimately like, and like wanted them to get up and they were like, well, no, like we're already sitting here. Like, how dare you make someone get up after you sat them there? How dare you? And they're like, no, like we're already here. I'm like, whatever. And so then she said that the server treated them like shit the whole night because of it. That is not their fault. Like, absolutely. Like they probably were working the system a little bit and they're like, oh yeah, our name's totally Smith. Like whatever. But if that happens, that's on you. If you don't remember the people that you're putting on this list, and I understand it's, it's not easy when it's like a long ass list of people. But like, especially if, I guarantee that family was sitting in the room because they saw the other family get sat. So especially if there's people that you can see in your line of sight and you know that they have been sitting there longer. Like, I have the memory of a goldfish and maybe that's the reason why is because I used it all in my hostessing days. But like, how dare you make a mistake and then try to fix it by inconveniencing because at the end of the day like the customer is the like whatever and like you are about to piss off more people like you already have these people pissed off because they didn't get sat and this other family did now you're gonna go piss off another table and make them get up and then you're mad that they don't want to get up because you sat them there are you kidding me oh my god I could go on and on about fucking hostesses, dude. I really could. I might do a whole podcast just bitching about hostesses because it is a ride. Anyway, I really loved the vibes that this book gives. And if you've worked in a restaurant, I think you'll like it. Like you just feel at home 
It's just a little piece of nostalgia that you just love. And I deeply enjoyed that. So I don't know. Ultimately, like there was no real substance to this book. It was not really that great. Um, but it was still good. It was cute. It was light. Romeo and Juliet, if that's your thing, you'll like it. So those are all the books I read or didn't read in the month of April. Um, next month is May. Justin Timberlake, we hear you. Um, I am currently right now reading The Push. I don't know who it's by off the top of my head, but I assume I'll probably actually finish that before May even starts. So it's technically an April book, but I'll talk about it next month. And then I'm also reading Siege and Storm by Lee Bardugo. I am so mad at myself that I did this Gilmore Girls thing because I wanted to read the freaking Shadow and Bone trilogy before the show came out. And the show is out on Netflix now and I didn't do it. So I'm playing catch up. Um, I read the first one last year and I really liked it. Surprisingly, I didn't think I was going to and I did because I think a lot of people actually don't like it that much. Like, influencers that I follow book influencers that I follow don't love it as much I really liked it so um I'm on the second book now and then I have the third book as well and then there's also like a duology that kind of goes with it and I don't know what that's about something king of crows or something six of crows I don't know that kind of goes with it it's like the same world I don't know I I really don't I don't know but I'm gonna try to read all of those before I watch the show because I think the idea with the show is that it was mixing both worlds so I kind of want to read both I also just saw somebody post about seven and a half deaths of Evelyn Hugo and that's been on my TBR forever and the way that they were explaining it just made it sound like really interesting. So I kind of want to read that. I want to read the Mortal Instruments series. That's been something I've been like building up to do. I got the book from the library because I can't find the first one. I own these books and I can't find the first one. So I got it from the library, but I was reading all these Gilmore Girls books and it was just too much. So I'm going to have to re-request it so I can listen to it or so I can read it and then get that going. Um, I also want to read The House in the Cerulean Sea because I keep hearing about it and I own it and I just need to do it. I want to read basically all of the books that I own this month. That's what I want to try to do is read the books that I own. Um, I also just got the Grace Year from the Half Price Bookstore, which if I post this book, this um, podcast I made, then you'll hear about that. If I don't, I'll talk about it later. But my Half Price Books trip was awesome. Um, I also have Girls with Sharp Sticks that I want to read. I have Dear Justice that I want to read. And, um, yeah. So basically I, I want to just read basically all of the books that I have on my book cart that I just haven't read. So, um, I'm pretty sure I just returned like all the books to the library and I'm pretty sure I have like no library books right now except for the ones for the kids. So it's like, a weird feeling like I feel accomplished in a way even though I didn't do anything so I have a lot of books I want to read I would try to plan but we know that I'm a mood reader and that just doesn't happen um I will say so so far this year I've read 55 books which is basically halfway to my goal I want to read 115 books this year so 57 58 would be about halfway so I'm essentially halfway and I'm only four months into the year so we're pretty sure we're going to hit the goal this year, friends. Um, I'm also just 
if anybody cares. I am 66% of the way through the Pop Sugar Reading Challenge. I've read 33 out of 50 prompts. So that's super fun. I want to try to like, you know, read those too. I, I, I feel like it would be nice to get that done. And then I can just read wherever the wind takes me. Because I feel like that's like nice. It's very inclusive. And then I just read whatever I fancy for the rest of the year. Just whatever happens to pop up. And I'm not like working really hard to try to read out of my comfort zone. I can read in my comfort zone after I do the work for the rest of the year. You know what I mean? So yeah, those are my plans for May. Um, I'm really excited. I think um, once like June, July, whatever comes around, I'll probably get a bunch of library books again because um, something about that, you know, hardback covered with plastic makes me feel like it's safe to read in a pool sort of thing. Um, my really like flimsy paperbacks or really nice books, like I don't ever want to take to a pool, but a library book, I'm never scared. I'm not one of those crazy people that like misuses a library book. I don't get it wet. I don't get it sandy. I don't get whatever. But for some reason, I just feel like I have more support when I have a hardback book with the plastic on it. And I feel like there's no chance that it's going to get ruined. So those books, library books just scream summer to me. Like it just screams summer to me. So I'm hopefully going to read a bunch of books on my book cart that I own this month. And then... June I will read all the library books and blah 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 and whatever so until next time friends ciao